Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear would inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. Um, I want to start today with a conversation between Jesus and a prominent, respected Jewish leader of that time. Uh, his name is Nicodemus, all right? And um, <clears throat> Nicodemus was overly impressed with Jesus and with Jesus' miracles. And um, later he would become a follower, but he would become a secret disciple. What kind of a disciple? He was a secret disciple, just like, you know, many were so afraid in that time of being singled out and banned from practicing um, their religious practices um, at that time so they would avoid to disclose that they were followers of Jesus. So scripture tells us in the gospel of John in particular that he went to see Jesus at night. When did he go? And one can surmise or assume that he probably didn't want to be seen by others talking to Jesus but even still Jesus knowingly knowing this didn't turn his back on him, welcomed him. This Nicodemus, the same one would later, after Jesus' death, would be the one that would request the body along with Joseph of Arimathea, and together he'd purchase over 75 pounds of spices, and he would use it to anoint and prepare Jesus' body for burial. This happened after Jesus' death. Well, pastor, why are you going into all of this when we're talking about heaven's love? I wanted to give you this as a side note, because even so today, there are many Christians that are afraid of being open Christians, and they they continue to serve Jesus and be Christians, but they're secret disciples of Jesus everywhere they go. And as a result, just like Nicodemus they too have a dead Jesus at the end of the day. And I don't want us to have and walk around with a dead Jesus. I want a Jesus who's alive. Did you hear that? I want a Jesus who's alive. And all month, I've been talking, I've been belaboring the point that when we are saved, we are saved to someone, not from something. Did you get that? We are saved to someone not saved from some thing. And in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, we're going to get a better understanding about what being saved to someone is all about. Western Christianity, specifically here in the United States, we have made salvation about being saved from the pit of hell. And that's a part truth, but it's not all truth. And my responsibility is to give you all truth. So before I get into this conversation, I want to read, I want to read this, these few verses here out of John chapter two, and we're going to read verses 23 and 25, because I want you to get the context of the social climate. I want you to see the world at that time through the eyes of Jesus. This is what scripture says. Because of the miraculous signs 
Jesus did, because of the miraculous signs that Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to what? Many began to what? Many began to what? Hey guys, I need you to help me, all right? I'm losing my voice, so I need you to help me, all right? So many began to what? Thank you, that's better. Next. But, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew what? He knew human nature. Wow. Number no one needed to tell him, being Jesus, what mankind is really like. Wow. Think about that. That human nature and its proclivity or tendencies to be sneaky, to be elusive and deceptive would cause Jesus, the Son of God, to live life on earth, dodging and navigating with extreme caution to the point where he did not trust people. Jesus knew and understood that his mission on earth was vital to the survival of all mankind. Furthermore, Jesus knew human nature, and Jesus knew that human nature is the biggest obstacle in its walk as children of God. What's our biggest obstacle? What's our big, biggest obstacle? I just said it. What is it? Our biggest obstacle in our walk as children of God is what? What is it? Human nature. Want just to pause and take that in. Knowing this, Jesus is going to give us a bit of some insight in this conversation out of John chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and I want you to be patient with me taking this in. The kids that are in college or transitioning to college, kids that are now um, sophomores and seniors in high school, it is vital that you get this early. If you guys get this early, your adulthood as Christians is going to be a, it will be a life of freedom and not of confusion. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? If you get this early, it would be a life of freedom and not a life of confusion. Verse one, here we go. There was a man named what? Nicodemus, and he was a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee, and a Pharisee, it's almost like saying he was a Baptist or, or, or he was um, a Pentecostal. It was a sect of uh, different religious um, practices in that time. The, and, and the Pharisees were typically overwhelmingly zealous about practicing and following everything literally to the T, to the law. They did everything, literally, everything that was written, they followed it. To the T, all right? Um, so the Bible says that after dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. And he said, Rabbi, he said, listen to this. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. What a confession. We all know that he has sent you to teach us. He said, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Continue. Jesus replied. Listen to Jesus reply. He said, thank you very much. 
Jesus said, thank you very much. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Next. Humans can reproduce, can reproduce only human life. Come on. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. In this conversation between this Jewish teacher and Jesus, the Jewish teacher didn't really get to ask his question all the way and get a meaningful response because Jesus interrupted him mid-sentence and didn't even address his original question. Jesus immediately went right to the crux, right to the source. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus bypasses all conversation and he goes right into the matter. Being born again addresses the obstacle that I previously spoke about, the obstacle that we all wrestle with in life, and that is what? What is it? Human nature. Being born again addresses that obstacle. Jesus said that human nature can only reproduce only after its own kind, human life. But, somebody say but. But. The Holy Spirit produces what? Spiritual life. What does it produce? What produces spiritual life? So Jesus is giving this man a formula and reason for his coming to earth. Oh, thank you, brother. Is that for me? Oh, man. All of that for me? Oh, there's more to come. Oh, my goodness. What else is coming? Something... Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Rick. Rick, is uh, V here today? No. She's not here today. Okay. V, we sent our love. Delicioso. That was good. Who made that? This church, this, this church, Jesus is telling this man that in order to acquire spiritual life and spiritual properties, you must detach yourself from all human nature and attach yourself to the Holy Spirit. Part of the problem is we don't speak enough about the Holy Spirit in our churches today. Therefore, we do not know much about the Holy Spirit other than the things that we see or we hear occasionally and sporadically. And this message is not about the Holy Spirit. It's not about that. But, but I just, just wanted to mention, 
I shared with you during our intro two weeks ago that Jesus' coming to earth had to do with putting things back in its original order. All right? It was about putting things back in order. Uh, so that you can get more details, go to our podcast at scarletknow.org. You'll be able to listen to the details of that. I don't have time to get into that. But Jesus is telling this man and he's telling us today that in order for you to experience God's realm and domain of government, that is kingdom. That is kingdom. Now, let me be clear here so that you all understand. The kingdom isn't heaven. The kingdom isn't heaven. Many people think that the kingdom of God is heaven and it isn't. The kingdom of God is a realm. It is a domain where God governs and rules. Jesus said that you cannot say that the kingdom is there or that the kingdom is over there for the kingdom of heaven is where? The kingdom of God is where? It is within us, within you, all right? So kingdom is a realm of government, and um, but it starts, where does it begin? Here. It's here. And it begins when you are born again. Your birth, your birth deals and gives you entry into this kingdom. So immediately, Nicodemus begins to question the rationale of such a statement. How can an old man go back into its mother's womb. Jesus obviously is speaking in hyperbole. He's exaggerating. He's not being literal. He's saying you have to be born again. You have to go back to your original state is what he was telling this teacher. Spiritual intervention would be needed in order for things to function. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus is talking about something else. Then Jesus goes on to reveal the how, the why, and when, and where all of this process, which includes the most infamous scripture verse in the Bible out of John 3.16. John 3.16, let me pause there for a second. Hold that scripture there, guys. Hold that scripture there, guys. John 3.16 is part of a full conversation with Nicodemus. We have made John 3.16 a standalone verse. Therefore, therefore, we have developed many, many beliefs and many teachings based on one verse without taking it into uh, consideration that it is a conversation between Jesus and another man. Are you all following me? So when you read John 3.16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that, so that, so that, so that, so wake up, so that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? As Christians, specifically here in the United States, we made our faith and doctrine hinge on only part of the scripture, but we skip a vital component, a vital part of that scripture. We focus on the perish part, that we are saved so that we don't perish, but we skip over eternal life. We skip over eternal, young people, we skip over eternal life. Young people, are you listening to me? Good. 
Just because I say young people, that doesn't mean I'm calling some old. Okay? So when I say young people, are you listening? You should all be responding. Yes. Young people, do you hear me? Yes. Okay. So I guess I'm old. <laughs> Perishing is the nature of the flesh. It is nature's course that is associated with humanity. Eternal life, somebody say eternal life. Eternal life, eternal life is the nature that's associated with his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Eternal life is associated with God's spirit. This verse is part of a bigger conversation that details Jesus' reason for coming to earth. Guys, this is Christmas. This is Christmas. Not the stress, the anxiety of a gift. How dare us, how dare us make Christmas what we have made it. Running around, stressing, having to work extra hours to buy nonsense, spending money, and we make all of that Christmas. And furthermore, we have made Christmas to be defined by people that are Christless. I'm sorry, but I have a big problem with that. You cannot define Christmas with leaving Christ out of the picture. It is impossible to have Christmas without Christ. I think you should clap for that. And we need to, we need to bring this realization back to our children. This is what Christmas is about. It's not about a Santa. As, as harmless as that is, it's not about Santa. Christmas is about Jesus coming to this world and the gift that he has given us, the children of God. So we'll, we'll, I, I want to I uh, develop this a little further. The son had to come to earth as a response to Father in heaven's love. That's why this whole series, we're calling it Heaven's Love. Human nature minus Jesus equals condemnation, judgment, and death for all humanity. But the rebirth, somebody say rebirth, that Jesus speaks about affords us all. What does it afford us? What does it give us? What does it give us? Somebody say spirit life. Spirit life. Somebody say spirit life. And that spirit life, that eternal life begins where? Here. It begins here. Check this out. Out of Colossians. We're going to read a lot today. We're going to read a lot today. Colossians chapter 1. And the reason we're going to read a lot is because I want you to go home with these verses. I want you to go home with these verses and read them for yourself. Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 and 14. Always. When? Always. When? Always. When? Always. When? Always. This is why we come to church on a Sunday. Sunday isn't always. Monday isn't always. Tuesday isn't always. We always do what? Thank the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the... Now, that word light there is not that illuminating light that sits over your head. All right, it's not that God is walking around with an LED flashlight everywhere you No, it is a revelation of truth 
you have been exposed to truth, all right, who live in this truth, this exposure, this light. Can I uh, continue? For he has what? He has rescued us from. From what? From the kingdom of darkness. That is the kingdom of ignorance. Once you didn't have this truth, but now you have this truth. You got me? So you have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and you have been what? You have been what? Once you were there, you come to Jesus, he transfers you and he places you where? Into the kingdom. Somebody say into. Into the kingdom of his what? Dear son. Who what? Who what? Who what? Those that are from Puerto Rico know what I'm talking about when I do this. Right? Puerto Rico. I don't know if it's a Mexico thing. I don't know if they do it any other word. But Puerto Rico, old guys, the old guys that had the, the loose dollar, that's how they did cash. All right? And it says, who did what? He, what did he purchase? What did he purchase? What did he purchase? He purchased what? He purchased what? You got to get excited about that. This was done over 2,000 years ago. How can we live in bondage today? He purchased our freedom and did what? Somebody say it's done. That's already done. That kingdom, that word kingdom, again, it's a domain. It is a governing governing rule it is a a jurisdiction it is a it's a legal place that only children of god can abide kingdom are you getting that are you understanding that kingdom is not heaven it's kingdom it's it's governing it's it's it's, it's a domain it's a realm the son from heaven now is on earth jesus on earth would be the only necessary remedy so to change the entire course of all of humanity once and for all. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, 19. Don't you realize that your, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Whoa. Who lives? Who lives? Who lives? Where does the Holy Spirit live? In the building. Where does the Holy Spirit live? Where? Where? That's why husbands, we speak a certain way to our wives. Because that counterpart is a building block of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not I cannot be disrespectful to my wife, to my children. And vice versa. Wives, we're not disrespectful to our husbands. There, there is a sense of reverence for each other because we are building blocks where God himself dwells. Are you, did you hear that, Linda? You got to be good to Rob. Stop it. <laughs> Tired of it already. <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> but I, I had to learn this. I, I had to learn this early on in my marriage because there were things that I would say to my wife that would grieve and hurt. She's a building block of the Holy Spirit. 
temple of the who lives where? Lives where? In you. And was given to you by God. You do not. You do not. You do not. You do not. To what? Continue. For God did what? He what? He bought. He bought. There's no R there. He did what? He bought you with a, with a, with a, I want to let you know there is no sin, no sin on earth, no sin on earth that is higher than the blood of Jesus Christ. No sin on earth higher than the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to that? So you must do what? You must do what? With what? With my body. So it's why I live a certain way. You weren't just forgiven of your sins. That's, that's, a, that's, a part, that's partly truth that you were forgiven of your sins. But, somebody say but. but. The whole truth is that your sins are forgiven but you, your origin, your nature has now been changed to, to represent legal tender, a legal transaction. You have been purchased. Somebody say purchased. You and I are no longer bound to this world and its governing domain, but the purchase. Somebody say the purchase. Bought me freedom and along with the freedom, now I have forgiveness of sin. John chapter 19, verse 30. When did this happen? The Bible says, when Jesus is at the cross, he's about to expire. He's about, he's about to give up his spirit. All right? The Roman soldiers are about to try to give him something to drink. And they're about to give him a, a sponge or a rag with, with a mixture of, of vinegar and, 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 and other substances to try to dull the, 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 the pain in Jesus. But, but Jesus said this. Jesus said, it is, it is, let me hear it on this side. It is, it is what? It is finished. Then he bowed his head and he did what? He released his spirit. Now, when John writes this, and he writes this gospel in the gospel of John. John is writing to a predominantly Greek audience. He is writing to a specific people, a specific people that he was targeting. He was intentional in how he wrote. And he wanted these people to understand. So he uses this Greek word for finished. It is finished. He used a Greek word, tetelestai. Do you have it? Tetelestai. Tetelestai is the Greek word. Now, I'm sure I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but it's T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I. Tetelestai. And this is a language or a vernacular that is used in business and accounting. This is an accounting word. It is, an, it is a business, business expression. And it means to be paid in full. The transaction has been paid in full 
It is a stamp. It is a seal that a transaction is final. Somebody say final. final. Are you all getting that? Yeah. Now, the reason this is vital, this is important, and you ought to know this is because in your walk, you need to know that everything has already been paid for. Good. One person believes that. The Holy Spirit becomes the seal. Somebody say the seal. It proves that the purchase, that the transaction has already been fulfilled. This is why out of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, Scripture says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were what? You were what? You were what? Sealed for the day of redemption is another word of transaction, business, and accounting. Are you understanding this? Using expressions of bought. You were bought. You were purchased. You were paid for. Paid for. Full. Here's another one. Redemption. Something in exchange for payment and clearing a debt. And many Christians live their life as if their life was still in payment installments. As if someone is still making payments or that you need to make payment installments for your freedom. As if your life was a credit purchased in installments. As if many Christians live as if their life was on a layaway plan. Somebody say no. No. Somebody say no. No. My life. Come on, repeat it. My life. My My freedom freedom was paid in full. full. Come on, say it. Was paid in full. full. At the cross of Calvary. Don't be afraid to clap. This, This is refreshing. Not only is it refreshing, it is good news. That's good news. Romans chapter 8. Oh, you're going to read a lot now. That better not be someone showing up at 12.06 to church. Security hit him with a stick. Showing up at 12.06. I'm about to close. Now get this, guys. Please get this. Please get this. Highlight it. Go home and continue to read these scriptures so that they can minister into your life. All right? Don't take my word for it. I could be crazy. You don't know. You think I'm joking? (laughs) I'm telling you, go home and read these scriptures for yourself. Read them with your wife. Read them with your husband. Read these words with your children that they may minister into their spirit so that you may live and walk in the freedom that has been purchased at a high price. Listen, yet what we suffer now is what? Is what? Is what? Nothing. Nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us. Here we go. All creation is doing what? Waiting eagerly for that future day 
when God will reveal who his children really are. That's called hope, okay? Against its will, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. That's because of what the first Adam did. Because of what the first Adam did, there had to come the second Adam and final Adam. That's why they, the Bible calls Jesus the final Adam. There's none, none else needed after that. Listen, the God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks, looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from what? And decay. For we know that all creation has been what? Groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And, 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 come on, wake up. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a what? As a what? He's a what? Come on, guys. He's a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. But he's given us what? The Holy Spirit. I'm just going to give you a little taste. But give you the Holy Spirit so that you can just taste what the future glory is for you all. Listen, continue. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our, our full rights as his adopted children. What? Including the what? New bodies he's just promised us. We were given with this hope when we were what? So when does this hope begin? When? When we're saved, this hope begins. You have the Holy Spirit. But still, there's still something that's coming in your future. And that's our hope. Somebody say hope. hope. Somebody say hope. hope. If we already have something, then we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must then do what? What must we do? Again, we must wait. And we must wait. And that's the problem. The waiting and the confident part is the problem in our lives as Christians. Let me single this out for you as we start wrapping things up. Part of the problem as Christians is that we as believers, this, this is for believers, this isn't for everyone. I, I, you hear, you go to funerals, people pass away and everybody gains wings and, every, and, and heaven gained an angel. It's fantasy. It's not biblical. It's not truth. Um, that's not Christianity. There are some people that pass away and, and, and there is an eternal condemnation and judgment that awaits them. This promise is for who? Believers that wait patiently and confidently. Are you listening? 
Oh, pastor, you're ruining the, the Christmas spirit. Fa la 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 la. The problem is that we as Christians just don't know what we believe. We don't know what we and we don't know what we believe because we're lazy and we won't read His Word. The pastor, the pastor, is the one responsible for the growth and the maturity of the sheep. That's partly, partly true. But as believers, you have been exposed to this truth. I encourage this church Sunday after Sunday, read for yourself. If you've been in this church for more than five years and you've heard me say that, can you make a little noise if you've heard me say that before? I told you, I won't say, I won't save you. I won't save you. I just can't. It's not my mission. It's not my purpose. So the problem is that many of us don't know what we believe. Many take to be a believer in that we believe in Jesus, and that is partly true. Well, I believe in Jesus, so I guess I'm a believer. Well, no, even demons believe. It's incomplete. Somebody say incomplete. There is more to believe. So it's, it's, it's being able to be a believer, to wait patiently and confidently in what you believe. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. Oh, we're going to read. For God in, in all his fullness was pleased to live where? Where did he live? Where did he live? While Jesus is on earth, God's fullness lived, lived in Christ. Continue. And come on, guys. And through him, God did what? He did what? That's another accounting word. It's another business word, accounting word, reconciled. Um, Rebecca, you have a master's degree in finances. Reconciling, right? You know what that is. Reconciling, bringing balance, bringing things to order. He reconciled what? To what? Remember I said that the word world, when we read John 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, one of the definitions for the word world was what? Order. Order, remember. All right? So he loved the order, the world, so much that he reconciled everything to himself. And then he did what he made? He made with in and that's already happened by means of what? Of what? Christ's blood where? When? On the cross. Are you getting that? And guys, and the reason I want you to get this is, man, because there's a lot of craziness that's being taught out there as Christianity. And I'm going to tell you that you will never find a higher price that was paid on this earth than the blood of Jesus. You will never, ever find a higher price paid. 
Next. This includes who were far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by what? Evil thoughts and your actions. Continue. Yet, when? 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 Now. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in Jesus and his physical body. Yet now he has to, no, I'm sorry. Yet now he has reconciled you to, uh, continue the next one. As a result, he has what? He has what? Into his own presence. Somebody needs to hear this. I'm sorry, I'm gonna take it. You are what? What? No. You are now holy and blameless as you stand before him with what? Continue. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard what? And Satan will speak into your heart and into your spirit to tell you that you are not qualified, to tell you that you are stained, to tell you that you are junk, to tell you that you are not worthy, to tell you that you are a sinner, to tell you that you are lost, and on and on. Scripture doesn't say that. Not to the believers who can believe this continuously, who can stand firm believing this. That is hard to wrap your head around. We talked uh, all last week about how uh, incomprehensible God's love is. Why? Because we don't deserve it. Now listen, you stand blameless before God, holy, not because of anything you can ever do, ever. And Christianity still reckons with that truth. We still reckon with that truth because we want to believe there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's just got to be more. It cannot be this simple. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard this, this good news. Somebody say good news. Many stop believing this truth. Angelo, many people stop believing this truth. They can't stand firm on this truth. So what happens? They drift away from this assurance. The good news, somebody say good news, is that you and I were, we were lost. 
Once we were enemies. Once we were separated. But Jesus, come on, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. That is the message of the gospel of Jesus. This is what we ought to be informing people. This is the good news. Being born again changes my birth ties. Whether good or bad, when I am born again, say born again, I am now detached from my father's DNA and his biology, completely just detached from my carnal father. And I am now attached to a new heavenly father, spiritual father, spiritual DNA, a spiritual breed of humanity. You could be the offspring of a notorious killer or one of the most hated men or women on earth. From the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are detached from all of that and you are a new creation. Rebirth changes your order. It changes your nature. It makes us spirit-led as children of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that, that, that. Who? Who? No, seriously, who? Anyone that belongs. My sister Jomaida is funny. She has literally, literally, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of tattoos. You get tattoos, whatever, it's, it's your thing. So she's gotten a n- numerous tattoos all over her, 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 herself. And she, had, she literally tattooed the Greek word tetelestai to her arm. And every time I try to remind her of her past, she goes... It's the one tattoo I can't argue with. I just wish she didn't have that one. As my little sister, I want to remind her, but can I tell you, Satan, demons, every spirit realm that out there that's moving against this world also knows Tetelestai, it's been paid in full. They know it. We don't believe it. A lot of us don't believe it, but they know it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has what? Has what? Melissa, become what? A what? A what, Melissa? A what? Meradi, a what? David, a what? What? A what? Brian, a what? Sadio, a new person. The old life is what? What is it? Angelo, what is it? Angelo, what is it? What is it, Angelo? Gone. (laughs) Come on, guys. You got to get excited about this. What began? It what? 
I'm talking, and I, I said earlier, for the young people, and very few of you still consider yourselves old. We're all young. We're just beginning our life. Listen, a new life has what? Begun. Continue. And it's a what? What is it? What is it? What is it? Guys, if it's a gift, it means you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's, it's, it's been given to you. That's the hardest part of Christianity. That's why our faith makes doesn't make sense to the human nature. Because all other religions, it's about how much you sacrifice to your God. But in Christianity, our whole faith hinges on the belief that our God sacrificed for us. That is... That is difficult for us to wrap our head around. And he said, who bought us back? He brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, what did God give us? What's that mean? Task. It's an assignment. Come on, somebody say, I have an assignment. I've been given an assignment. Come on, you have a task. Listen, and God has, who gave it to you? pastor doesn't need to give it to you the the pastor doesn't need to lay his hands on you to send you no God has already ordained you set you aside and he's given you an assignment to do what to do what to reconcile people to who your church to your church continue for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself what was he doing no longer counting against them here we are in 2021 and people can't move past sin in 2021 we're still doing this in our churches Why? Because it's hard for us to believe that there can exist such love. That doesn't see my sins against me. It won't count them or hold them against me. All I have to do is ask for forgiveness. Gone. It's done. Wiped clean. It's hard to wrap my head around that truth. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us what? give us what it's not just a message it's a what it's a wonderful message come on stand to your feet seriously stand to your feet for a moment this message is what this message is what what message is wonderful which one the message of 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 reconciliation you ready for this this last verse makes me get excited so we are Christ's Christ's ambassadors God is making an appeal 
through us, not the pastor, but through you all, we speak for when we plead. Come on, what's the message? What's the message? What's the message? Come back to God. That is the message of reconciliation. That is a wonderful message. That is heaven's love. That is Christmas. Somebody got to get excited about that. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just take a moment and be grateful. Come on, just be, be grateful. I don't know what you've said to your siblings in the past, but you may have to go back and change it. I don't know what you've said to your children in the past, but you may have to go back and change the message. They need to hear this one. That God says, come back, my child. Come back. Come back. That's the message. All eyes closed. All eyes closed. All eyes closed. All eyes closed. All eyes closed in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you are saved. From the moment you are saved, you enter into this realm, this domain called God's kingdom. A place of freedom. A place where he reigns. A place where he reigns sovereign. He is the only lordship. You have been bought at a high price. He becomes the lord and the master of your life. And it all begins with one decision to say, Jesus, you are my lord. I give myself to you. So with all eyes closed, all eyes closed, all eyes closed, in this place I just want you to repeat this prayer with me for those that are listening I want you to pray with me please don't pay attention to the person next to you don't pay any mind to the person alongside of you in fact if you are at work and you're listening to this at work you may have to whisper and say this prayer inside God can hear you God can hear you I want you to pray these words with me. And everyone, join with me in this prayer as we strengthen our brothers and these sisters that are going to join us this moment. I want you to pray this. Father, Father, we come before you admitting we cannot do it without you. We are flawed without you. We are sinners. But Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, rescues me and makes me new I repent of all my sins of all my wrongdoing and I turn my life over to you come come into my heart and guide my life from the center of my heart in Jesus name I come back to you as your child in Jesus name amen amen Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnote.org. See you next time.